everybody. I'm Valerie. I was born on October 1st. Hi, everybody. I'm Randall, and I was also born on October 1st. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Val. Who cares? Oh, who cares? Happy birthday, who cares? Welcome to Happy Birthday, Who Cares? This is the show where we uh, take an event that occurred on our birthday, and then we talk about something that is possibly tangentially related to that event <laughs> that we are more interested in. Loosely loosely related. <laughs> it's mostly a jumping off point to whatever we want to talk about. How you doing, Randall? I'm doing pretty good. I think I had a good week this week. As you know, uh, we're going through our fence rigmarole. We sure house. are. Yeah. I got I got the pleasure of uh, assisting our contractor, Aaron, with digging giant holes. It's a one-man, supposedly a one-man tool, but just the two of us, it was insane. And why was it insane? Because our yard is full of rocks. River, right? river potatoes, I call them. <laughs> yard rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many rocks do you think we pulled out of the yard? Oh, hundreds. Hundreds. And what was the biggest ones? Mm, the size of a baby. The size of a small child. Like a little baby. Yeah. Like these are like five for seven pound rocks. Like maybe be bigger than newborn even. Seriously, yeah. And there were a couple of points where Aaron had to get in the hole and saw off. Parts of the rock? Not even rock. He had to saw off uh, oh, tree, tree roots yeah. that also grew into it. So the whole yard was f- fighting against us. We're not meant for this world, Randall. <laughs> You and I personally or humans? Human, <laughs> nature would eat us alive if it could. <laughs> like uh, the concept of building a fence to protect our property is too much work. <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's just give it up. I'm a little traumatized by the other events of yesterday. What happened yesterday? Uh, you remember with the crows? Oh gosh! So that's right. We have a big flock of crows in our neighborhood who I generally like, but once in a while they will just freak the fuck out. Yeah. And um, in previous times when they've been raising a ruckus, it turns out there was like a coyote walking down the street in the middle of the day. That was hilarious. Um, and this time it was a hawk that was circling. And it turned out that the hawk had gone for one of our neighbor's chickens and broken its neck. Yeah. I mean, we assumed it, it had been broken. Right? You didn't actually examine the chicken. No, neck. but it looked just, yeah. Maybe. I'm going to be- believe that the chicken died of fright. Uh, yeah, so we, we rustled together the other chickens and put them in their coop and, yeah. um, yeah, poor, I felt poor weird. chicken. I didn't feel, I felt bad for the neighbors. I do too. They were at work at the time. Yeah. And I uh, also felt weird going into their backyard without permission, even though they probably would have, they probably wanted you to do that, right? After all, they were happy you did it. Yeah. If something was fucking with my backyard or my pets or anything, I would yeah. absolutely want somebody to intervene. If you have uh, chickens, do you consider them pets? You know, I asked her about that yesterday when I messaged her to tell yeah. her what was going on. And she was like, yeah, it's a real bummer having outdoor pets sometimes. Oh, uh, yeah. They also have bees, too. Yeah. And I was like, why aren't the bees protecting the land? Do you think the bees hibernate? I think they do because it was dead quiet over there. Yeah. The bees were not coming out. So in the same yard, there's bees, chickens. A big tortoise. A big tortoise. You asked about several dogs, although they weren't there right there then. You asked about the the chicken. Uh, they're birds. <laughs> chickens are birds. Correct. <laughs> uh, the the chickens coexisting with the bees. Yes, and it turns out I was like thinking, oh, maybe the chickens get stung by the bees. Yeah, but no, no, 
The chickens eat the bees. The chickens do eat bees, yum, which yum. makes sense. I mean, they like they eat bugs and worms and stuff, right? I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, in the wild. I don't know how it works. The chickens in the wild. <laughs> chickens in the wild eat whatever's available. I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm afraid of nature. Yeah, basically, nature is trying to kill us at all times. At all times. I think we uh, we did help. Yes. I think that our presence made the hawk leave, as well as the <laughs> crows attacking it. Yeah, those crows are some good, good cops. The cops, the real, cops in the neighborhood. Real rent-a-cops right there. They're wearing black. <laughs> <laughs> the thin black line. They're, they yell a lot, and they were swooping at it. I don't know if you saw it towards the end there. They were just, like, yeah, they were, dive-bombing it. That hawk did not give a fuck. No. So that was scary and frightening. So this week it was fencing and hawk attacks. <laughs> You know, we live in Portland. It's not like we're out in the middle of yeah. Wyoming. My favorite part of the hawk attack, if I had to pick a favorite part. Oh, okay. Part, pick a favorite part. My favorite part was uh, that at one point some seagulls showed up. Just to check out what Just was going on. Just to check out what was going on. Like, yeah. And we don't get too many seagulls, I don't think, in our area. No, we don't. How often do you see seagulls? We're not super close to the sea. No. And then when they show up, I feel like they're just like, hey, I heard there was a party. <laughs> <laughs> seagulls are like... The stoner bros yeah. that just, hey, hey what's going uh, on? I heard a lot of yelling over here. What's happening, man? Is there some <laughs> is there some garbage <laughs> to eat? Uh, yeah. It's weird. In the Bay Area, we, were, we didn't have so many crows, and we had tons of seagulls. I prefer the crows. Yeah, seagulls poop more, I think. Although, I well, no, they're both really freaking loud. Yeah. Well, crows crows are much more loud, I think. Let's have a survey. Please well, email us and let us know if you like crows or seagulls more. Happy birthday, who cares at gmail.com. That's right. That's a good plug. Uh, do we want to talk about what we're talking about today? Yeah. So uh, the event today is uh, something that occurred in 1975, which, uh, if you're keeping track, is after both of us were born. <laughs> I would have been three years old. Uh, and I was one. This is my first birthday. Oh, oh, how sweet. Hard to remember that. Um, and the event is, of course, the Thrilla in Manila, the boxing match between uh, Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Actually, Muhammad Ali beat Joe Frazier. Do you know anything about this event? I know it by name. Yeah. Um, I'm not a boxing aficionado, but no. I, this is well known enough that even I know it. Yeah. Um keep going through research uh i have discovered that this was where muhammad ali introduced his mistress to imelda and ferdinand marcos yeah. on tv whoops uh thereby really angering his wife yeah his wife flew to the philippines to, <laughs> to yell at him <laughs> um yeah i don't know i don't know much about funny. this it's it's pretty funny actually <laughs> Uh, he passed away, so we can laugh. He's not going to come after us. I don't know much about that era of boxing either. I did watch a lot of boxing in the 80s and 90s, mostly because of Mike Tyson's making boxing interesting again. Also, uh, what's his name? Joe Foreman, the grill guy. I don't know if you remember that time or era. Do Is his name that? Joe? Joe Foreman? George, George Foreman. Foreman. Thank you. George Foreman. Um, the George Foreman revival. Like, he's a boxer of the era of these guys in the 70s, but then made a comeback as an old man beating yeah. people up. Which is interesting. Yeah. Those are fun. I remember the 
my favorite part was he would wear his trunks at about nipple level. Oh, so full on old man style. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. You got to own it. One of the questions we had was when you are boxing, you cannot punch a guy below his trunk level because that's like a low blow. Blow the belt, yeah. Yeah, so like Bugs Bunny style, you want to you want to put your trunks up as high as possible. Is that a real thing? That's not a real thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could put your trunks up to your neck, but it sounds, obviously it's really a low blow. It sounds like a legit uh, strategy. Yeah, I put my trunks over my head and I can't get punched. Like I said, I don't, I'm not really into boxing. Yeah, me neither. So, I mean, uh, I'm into professional wrestling, so I have some tangential boxing connections, but boxing itself is pretty boring i mean it's two guys punching each other how about how about grilling did you ever have a george foreman grill i did tangent i did and it kind of sucked it's hard to clean hard to clean doesn't work super great it's kind of like using a hot plate with ridges on it it is the fake ridge lines i think they make the ridges so that grease can (laughs) flow down them. that's probably true (laughs) yeah i thought in my mind oh this is to simulate grill marks yeah no it's just for grease channels Anyway. So uh, are we going to talk about the thrill in Manila today? I am not. And in fact, when we spoke about it, we both agreed that the same thing jumped out at us to talk about. What was that? That was that the fight was on HBO. That's right. And uh, it was actually the first satellite broadcast Yes. Of a, of a live event. And definitely the biggest pay-per-view of its time. Yeah. Although, do you think you had to pay for it? If you were a subscriber of HBO, you probably got it for free. Huh? You know, it's it's a little unclear because at that point, pay-per-view was mostly a, a closed circuit to bars and yeah. and venues kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm not really sure how it worked with home cable at that point. I think it was something that came with your subscription based on what I based on what probably I saw. and it probably got them a whole lot of new subscribers yeah that's what i would imagine hbo had a lot of boxing so yeah it was very maybe that was their big launch into it one thing that i noted about this mm-hmm. and this is sort of funny is the boxing match actually was aired in the united states on september 30th because of the time zone oh wow no i didn't notice that so technically <laughs> <laughs> oh man technically this happened the day before our birthday but so randall what's your first memory or impression of hbo my first memory or impression of hbo i remember we had hbo when i was uh, very young and i remember trying to watch uh, nightmare on elm street that's my first memory of HBO. You mean trying as in you couldn't get through it? Yeah. No, not even couldn't get through it. I couldn't get started. So like, if do you remember Nightmare on Elm Street? Only through an adult's eyes. Um, the very beginning of it is a girl in a dream. And she's in the boiler room where Freddy Krueger lives, you know. And then at some point, there's like maybe some noise and a lamb walks out. And that was the moment where I would have to turn it off. <laughs> and that's not like one time or two times. It was like three or four times I had to shut it off right at like two minutes into the movie. Just because you knew. I, I didn't want to see a lamb die. Oh. Yeah, I didn't want to see a lamb die. So You're a good person. Eventually, I, I did get past that and the lamb didn't, didn't die. And the movie's kind of gross. How old were you? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. Ish. Like, were you like six or? No, I think it would have to be, uh, 
Well, we, we can look at when Nightmare on Elm Street came out, and it would have to be after that, right? I was 15 years old. No, I'm just <laughs> I was 28 years old. <laughs> it was last year. Came out in 1984. So in 1984, you were 10 years old? 10. Yeah, but I don't think it came out. On cable then? On cable. It probably came out a year later. Even so, an 11 year old kid, I could see not wanting to, not being able to deal with a horror movie. Yeah, let's say I was 11. I was a very sensitive 11. If you remember, I went to Catholic school mm-hmm. and uh, I was very sheltered. Hmm. Yes. I didn't have a lot of um, horror movie experience in Catholic school. <laughs> Although, you know, they did show, they showed... Jesus on the cross? <laughs> they show a lot of that. They showed uh, the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, including the face melting scene mm. in class for everyone. Wow. Like they showed it to the whole school. That school. sounds like a rad class. That was not a good, probably not a good plan. I mean, it showed it to like kindergarten through whatever. Oh, yeah, that's too Yeah, young. kindergarten should not see that. That's too young. What, uh, what's your earliest memory of HBO? Um, when we moved back to the States after my dad was stationed in Europe, um, cable TV was in full swing, and my mom's bestie had HBO. Your mom's best friend? Yeah, her name was Pat, and um, we used to hang out. I used to hang out with her a lot. For whatever reason, just because I was, we had some common interests. Like she would take me to garage sales, and I'd spend the night at her house. And wait, your mom's adult friend you would hang out with? Yeah, just like she was sort of like my aunt. How old were you at the time? I was around ten, eleven. So I would hang out at her house and just watch TV all night. Uh, I also remember that she had ice cream, <laughs> and I could basically eat as much as I wanted of it. <laughs> Um, For whatever reason, I remember the movie After Hours being associated with... Remind me what movie that is. That's the Griffin Dunn one. They are stuck. Gosh, I should have looked up the plot of it. I'm going to look it up real quick. It's a Martin Scorsese film. Did you know that? Mm -mm. Uh, Black comedy, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Griffin Dunn with an ensemble cast... The film follows Paul Hackett, portrayed by Dunn, as he experiences a series of misadventures while making his way home from New York City's Soho District during the night. Yeah. What is that? uh, Does that remind you of anything that actually happened in the film? Yeah, I just remember that he kept getting sort of waylaid places. Yeah. It was very much an adult movie, like not, not an adult movie, but a mature movie, but it was also a comedy uh, and I found that very intriguing as a child. It was a dark comedy. Yeah. Uh, Terry Yar and Roseanne Arquette. I love them. Yeah. That's a that's a good one. Tommy Chong was in that movie and Cheech Marin were in All that? kinds of people were in that movie. That's an ensemble cast. Maybe we should watch this one. Yeah. I'd be down. Yeah. Did you learn anything about HBO when you knew we were going to talk about this? Well, the first thing I noticed was I clicked on the logo and found out a bit about the guy who designed it. So in 1980, they got their, it's not exactly their current logo, but it's pretty similar to what their current logo is. Yeah. Um, I saw that first logo. It's not at all like. Yeah. The first logo is like a TV screen and yeah, yeah, it's all over the place. Anyway, a guy named uh, Gerard Huerta designed the logo in 1980. Um, He was a designer for CBS and he, after he left CBS, he did this and a whole mess of other things, including 
but not limited to. Mm-hmm. He designed the logo for the band Boston. Yeah, the, the uh, lettering. Yeah, the, the 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 flaming lettering. Neat. Um, Blue Oyster Cult and ACDC. Oh yeah. Uh, he also did. You remember that Chicago album? I don't think he designed the Chicago lettering, but you remember the album cover that had like the thumbprint that spelled the lettering? Uh huh. Excuse me. He did that one. Yeah. Um, he designed the Nabisco logo and he designed <laughs> the mastheads for People Magazine and Time Magazine. That's crazy. Yeah, he was prolific. Wait a minute, Time Magazine. I just realized that Time Magazine was the owner of HBO at the very beginning. Time Warner. Good point. Yeah. One thing I did notice, speaking about logos and branding, Home Box Office was a placeholder name for the actual service that they were going to come up with. Yeah. And no one ever thought of a new name. Like, that was it. They were just like, we'll just call it Home Box Office and our marketing launch materials, and we'll come up with a real name later, and no one ever came up with a name. It's not bad. No. And HBO rolls off the tongue pretty well, right? Yeah. It's weird that something that wasn't intended became such a ubiquitous sort of thing. Yeah. Did you know that um, HBO was only on for nine hours a day? I did. I I I think I played it for you. The we're shutting down (laughs) closing credits. That looks like that. Those like hankering for a hunk of cheese. Yeah, I was going to say it's it's like late seventies, early eighties. Yeah. Type of um, almost like Sesame Street or after school. Yeah. uh, uh, Schoolhouse Rock. Schoolhouse Rock is what I was trying yeah. to think of. It really has that hand-drawn also, <laughs> cartoon. Also, it was like a minute long. Yeah. And we'll give you plenty of time if you just accidentally tune in during that minute. <laughs> 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 trying to figure out what's going on. What? Oh, they're shutting oh, down Oh, they're right. Now. They're shutting it down. That's weird because is there any channel now that's on TV that isn't 24 hours only local ones right and maybe not even those and those guys probably play advertising commercial yeah. yeah advertising after hours it's really a just a thing that stopped yeah it was all, it, it was the crazy thing is it was only from 3 p.m to 12 a.m so basically when people got off school to yeah. midnight and then go to bed those there was nothing in the morning that no absolutely not oh i had no idea it's interesting uh it wasn't until 1981 that they got a full 24-hour schedule yeah, it seems impossible now because they're pretty smart uh, about just re-airing stuff. You know, it's not like they're, there's brand new content 24 hours a day. Yeah, that was really the strength of cable TV is just like parking a kid in front of it. And then you could just watch <laughs> reruns of the same thing you saw three hours ago. As we were both raised by TV. Pretty much. Actually, I really wanted cable and we did not have cable until I was much older. Really? I was bummed. I, one thing that just occurred to me now that I'm remembering uh, cable in Alameda, mm-hmm. where I grew up. Let's. How many Alameda references can I make? Maybe I can do one per episode. Alameda cable was a city-owned service. It was a public utility that the city owned, and it was early, like early adoption. And it probably makes sense because it was like an island or whatever. It was easy to do the whole community at once, wiring and stuff. Mm-hmm. Not that there's much interesting to talk about otherwise. I just remembered that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just remembered it was a public utility. So that might have meant, that might have been why it was public or was early adopted. Like they got the city to sign off on it and then everyone got it. They had it a lot of the places that we lived. My parents were, frankly, just stingy. Like, they weren't going oh. sh- to shell out for that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, did you read anything about the launch of of it in Wilkesbury? Uh, no. I mean, I saw a bunch of different sort of eras of 
cable installation and then Manhattan and yeah, yeah. different types the of dude, companies. The dude that started it, his name was Charles Dolan. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a cable operator in the in Manhattan. That's that's basically what you were talking about. I think it was Sterling. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, but eventually he started the pay channel, which is HBO. It started in 1972 in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. Uh, by the end of 1972, there were a whopping 1,400 subscribers. The launch came without fanfare in the press. It was not covered by any local or national media outlet. In addition, the city manager of Wilkesbury declined an offer to attend the launch ceremony. And the Time Inc. president at the time uh, missed it because of traffic. <laughs> Couldn't make it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Well, they showed them. Super auspicious uh, opening. Also, I saw there was an ad for HBO in Wilkesbury, and it was uh, $7 a month. That, I think, was probably really expensive. I looked it up. Uh, $7 a month was equivalent to about $33 a month in our dollars right now. Yeah. In the... Nineteen, I mean, uh, nineteen seventy-five. That was. I mean, you got to remember that a um, movie in a movie theater at that point was maybe like four bucks. Yeah, uh, seems crazy. Right? Yeah. Would you? Pay, I would not pay thirty-three dollars a month for HBO at any time. No way. No chance. Which reminds me. Yes. That a lot of the time we were watching HBO, we were not paying for it. I remember distinctly having cable steel boxes who did that for you Ooh, i don't know uh my mom's second husband had one and i know some friends family had one that we would go over and hang out with so early cable boxes were weirdly analog like you had to press a button to get the channel yeah sometimes there weren't even remote controls for those yet yeah you had to go to a device and hit a button on it hit a, hit a button with a number on it and sort of go junk yeah junk. It would go down. And then you remember, like, if you press two buttons, mm-hmm. you could maybe yeah. <laughs> get between them. Yeah, if you sort of, like, uh, got between, say, 27 and 28, you might be able to get a yeah. semi-static version of the Playboy channel. I remember you could hit the channel that was not the channel that you subscribed to, and you could use the V-Sync on the TV to make it not be so blurry. Like, you could... You could de-blurry the TV by making it more blurry. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of work was done to try and steal. And we eventually found out that where, this is where my grandma lived, there was a little metal thing on the cable line that if you just took it off. You took it off? We did (laughs) that too. Uh, All you had to do was take it off. I took it off and plugged the cable back in, and then all of a sudden we had all the channels for free. I remember at one of my first apartments, yeah. We found out that that was how it worked. Yeah. And then we went out and took it off of like all 12. Yeah. And Everyone like suddenly had everybody had cable. <laughs> My grandparents lived in a, a, I don't know what you call that, a gated community. Sure. And everyone's cable was in one big box. Mm-hmm. And the box was where all the little filters Was it not were. locked? It was not locked. We went there, we took it off. And then suddenly we had it. And then we uh, one day we lost it, and we went back, and the box was lost, locked. Locked, yeah. <laughs> and my uncle broke the lock. <laughs> <laughs> my uncle just snapped the lock off. He, like, hit it with a hammer until it fell off and then 
took the filter off again. And then we went back in a couple months that had a better lock. <laughs> he couldn't break. Your uncle was not the only one. <laughs> Did I tell you uncle stories? Would you like an uncle story? Wh- which uncle is this? This is Uncle Roger. Oh, yeah. I've had some Uncle Roger You've stories. You've had some Uncle Roger stories? I'll tell you one r- quick Uncle Roger story just because it, I'm reminded of him in that house my grandma owned. One day, Uncle Roger, this is before I was born. So I heard this story secondhand. One day, Uncle Roger came home with a monkey. Oh. <laughs> Did I ever tell you the story? Not that I recall. The story that I heard was Uncle Roger came home with a spider monkey on a leash. And then what happened? I don't know how he got it. I don't know the origin of the monkey. I do know that my grandmother had vaulted ceilings and tall shelves. And the monkey crawled up the shelves and started chucking stuff. It sounds like a movie, but I am—I was told that this was a true story. The monkey just crapped and threw stuff for about an hour till they caught it and got, he got rid of the monkey. Like, that oh was the God. whole story. I wonder what he did with it. I wonder where he got it. Yeah. Like, how do you get a monkey? I can't believe, it, now that you know the story, you've never asked. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid to... I'm Get afraid to it. find out that yeah. it's not a real story. I want to continue. Believing. Oh, I thought you were going to be afraid to find out what ultimately happened to the oh, monkey probably, in the bay. I found a guy and then suddenly a monkey got disappeared. Yeah. You know? Monkey hat. Yeah. I don't want to know that either. Yeah. I'm going to believe the monkey went on to a happy, prosperous <laughs> monkey life. <laughs> Living in a farm in yeah. upstate New York. That's right. Oh, that monkey. Oh, that poor monkey. Sad. Yeah. Um, one thing I... I saw, speaking of stealing cable, of course, where this happened in Wilkesbury, the uh, first person that was prosecuted for stealing cable happened as well. Some guy by the name of Frank Cardamone, Cardamone uh, was known as the HBO Kid. <laughs> <laughs> he was known as the HBO Kid. Um, he's, Local hero. Yeah. He uh, basically was stealing, was selling illegal television converters between uh, 78 and 83. Oh, man, that yeah. must have been quite a lucrative. Yeah. They said that over almost 3,000 of them were sold in the area, uh, and they estimated their value to be about $100,000. I don't know how you would get something like that manufactured, but I know to buy something like that at the yeah. time was super expensive because you yeah. could justify it. Yeah, I feel like that I've heard stories of people paying like thousands of yeah. dollars for one of those things. So that dude must have if there were 3,000 of those being sold, can you imagine that the HBO kid was probably rolling in it. He did end up getting prosecuted, but I don't know if he went to jail or not. Do you go to jail for something like that? Mm, I think we should look him up. You should, right? Stay tuned to the station for a while. <laughs> if anyone knows Frank Cardamone, if he's still alive, is there a chance Frank Cardamone's still kicking? Probably. What else uh, was interesting about HBO? What do you think of when you think of HBO? Mostly now I just think the TV shows. Yeah? Um, I was looking through it, and there's a lot of shows that I love that I sort of forgot had been on HBO. Or originated on HBO, I should say. Yeah, with, like who? Like what? Like uh, Bored to Death. And oh, yeah. That's right. With uh, Ted Danson and... Uh, why is Ted Danson the first name that comes to mind? Because he's awesome. Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman is who uh, I really was trying to think of. Uh, Flight of the Concords was also an HBO production. Yeah. Um, These all feel pretty recent. Yeah, they, they are somewhat. But also, like Larry Sanders. I thought that... I forgot that that was an early... 
Yeah. That's right. Like that way predates Sopranos and all that. Yeah. How about First and Ten, the comedy football show? Nope. No. I think that was their first show. Hmm. First comedy show, anyway. Yeah, there's lots of good stuff. And, of course, uh, Mr. Show. Yeah, Mr. Show, and then uh, Tenacious D in the Mm -hmm. Mr. Show. Um, Those are all really funny. I was looking into Mr. Show, and one of the things I saw was that um, even throughout four years of of, uh, Mr. Show, the only note that Bob Odenkirk and David Cross ever got from the network was to remove a line where one <laughs> where one character tells another to go fuck a baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, what was your favorite Mister Show sketch? Do you have a favorite? Uh, the one I remember most vividly is the pre-taped Colin show. I was going to say that too. It's very memorable, just because uh, of David like having a freak out and looking worse and worse each. <laughs> Each scene. And the herky-jerky dancer. <laughs> the herky-jerky dancer. And that same that same sketch with the herky-jerky dancer, there's also uh, Paul F. Tompkins as champion the drinker. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know that movie, Run, Ronnie Run? Yeah. That was sort of like The a, Mr. Show movie. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it turns out that the uh, original plot of that... So the, uh, Scott Ackerman and a bunch of other people wrote this movie, mm-hmm. and they wrote it being sketch comedy writers. But of course, the studio wanted it to have a, a, a character arc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, otherwise, it would have just been a bunch of incongruous scenes. Well, right? let, let me tell you what it was originally about. Uh-huh. Uh, Ronnie Dobbs goes to England and has sex with the Queen, <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> and then he battles the Loch Ness monster. Oh, that would have been awesome. I would have way watched that. That show became. Um, the, the increasingly poor decisions of, of Todd, Todd Margaret. Margaret. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> oh, you know, I was looking back through the uh, through the shows on HBO. Do you remember The Hitchhiker? That's one of those shows I always sort of heard of in a in a cult capacity and I never saw. It was like a a horror anthology horror thriller anthology before Tales from the Crypt, which was also on HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of those I think it usually had a little bit of Skinamax to it. I remember usually there'd be a booby in it or two. Two boobies usually at a time. <laughs> Very rarely would you just get one booby. Uh, those are the kind of shows that stuck with me because they were right in the wheelhouse of my pu- post pu- my prepubescent, post-pubescence. What is it? What's the term? What are you trying to say? I remember boobs. That's what I remember. Oh, yes. Fair. <laughs> I remember. Totally fair. Yeah, I remember late night HBO being like, oh, what's real sex? This is pretty good. This yeah. Is, this is real sex. And it would be like a guy having a relationship with a sex doll or... Ladies' feet. Yeah. It would all, It would never be something that I could relate to. It would always be like, <laughs> what is this? I don't understand. It probably broadened your horizons really early on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, maybe. Well, we'll see. I don't know. Don't we'll see. Don't, don't flirt on the air. <laughs> All right. So uh, do you remember anything else from the shows on HBO that comes to mind? Oh, I remember all kinds. Um, you know, Anything else you want to talk about? One interesting thing I saw about Carnival. 
Oh yeah, Carnival. I short, about that short-lived actually. Carnival. Only two seasons. Um, only two seasons. Even though it had initially been signed for six. Oh God, I would love to know where that story was going to go. Yeah. Well, the, an interesting thing is that the creator Daniel Nauf Nauf. Yeah. Uh, he conceived the initial script for the show when he was still working as a health insurance broker. Hmm. Like he had totally not in the industry at all, and then he came came up with this idea. And uh, really didn't have any way to pitch his pilot, and so he wrote he wrote the pilot for it, and then he put it on his website, and somebody saw it. And that was it. That was it. Wow, that's nuts. Do you think that could happen these days? True Hollywood stories. Like you just write a pilot for a show and put it up on your website, and then suddenly an HBO executive. Gives I think you a call. you'd have to be very very lucky to get in in front of the right people's eyes, but sure, why not? Yeah. The internet makes equals of us all. Let's do that now. Let's just start writing pilots and um, putting them up on our website. Our website. What's our website URL for this? Oh, it's uh, happybirthdaywhocares.com. Happybirthdaywhocares.com. Also follow us on Twitter, HBWC. <laughs> Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> At HBWC Podcast. Uh, one thing I did want to say about HBO shows is that they made the mistake of turning down Mad Men. Yeah, I saw that. Do you have any information about that otherwise? I don't, just that they passed on it. They passed on it. What do you think the best HBO show was? Deadwood. <laughs> and why is it Deadwood? That's right. And why is it Deadwood? Yeah. Mm. I, it, you know, I really need to go back and rewatch Deadwood to make sure. But yeah. in my memory, it just was really consistently good. And it had a depth that I feel like I could go back and watch it again and get new things out of it. Yeah, I would like to watch it again. And as you know, they're making a movie, right? Yeah. So that'll be good. Uh, not Fraggle Rock? Not for me. <laughs> do you remember Fraggle Rock? I do. I was yeah. a little too old for it. I think I was too old, too, but I still watched it. So, I don't know. Um I agree with you. I was thinking about Rome the other day. Mm -hmm. Maybe Rome might be in that list. I haven't watched it again recently, but I have been told by people who have that it doesn't hold up as well as you'd think. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Would you say maybe Mr. Show? Mr. Show is great, but I, regardless of how much I love it, I still would call it inconsistent. Inconsistent. Um, maybe Larry Sanders, even though I'm not a huge uh I'm not even a big Gary Shandling fan. Yeah. But I think overall that show did really well at what it set out to do. What about like The Wire or uh, Oh, I, for I forgot about. Yeah, I forgot about The Wire. I mean, there's all these shows that you can call critically great and they are great, but they mm -hmm. don't necessarily doesn't necessarily mean that they were my favorites. No. Not True Blood. Definitely not. Not True Blood. Who's your favorite character in True Blood? Vampire Bill. Vampire Bill. Actually, that's probably not even true. No, it was, I just, it like, was Werewolf Man. Werewolf? No, maybe it was your favorite <laughs> character. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons playing Werewolf Man. Oh, no. You know who's... Uh, What's that guy's real uh, name? Eric. Eric the Viking was my favorite. Eric the Viking Vampire. Yeah. When you sleep, I hope you have good dreams of me. It's okay. It's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Horrifying. Awful. Yeah. Boy, there was a lot of good shows. There. I know. I feel like we Jeez. could talk about, I mean, Six Feet Under. Yep. Uh, the, the Bo Allie, Boardwalk Empire. The Ali G show was on. Yeah. HBO. Which I, n I never actually watched, but no. yeah. So much good shows. If you could bring back any one of these shows, which would it be? 
Well, I can't say Mystery Show because that came back on Netflix. And I can't say Deadwood because it's coming back as a movie. So both your wishes have been granted. Both my two wishes have been granted. I was going back and let me think about that for one second. If I could maybe, let's say we could have one more season of a show to figure out what would come next. Was it Carnival? It would either be Carnival or it would be, uh, or it'd be Sopranos. I don't feel like Sopranos ended on the right note. I think people have gone into that ad nauseum mm-hmm. that the ending was not satisfying. Mm-hmm. But I would like to see people get their comeuppance more. That's why I liked the ending of Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, that, they really uh, wrapped that up <laughs> extremely well. Wrapped up. Yeah, Boardwalk. I think maybe Boardwalk Empire was the ending to make up for The Sopranos, not an ending. The Boardwalk Empire ending really, I mean, it didn't give closure to everybody, but it gave closure to so many characters. Yeah. Do you remember, I was thinking of closure. Do you remember the ending to The Wire? Yes. That's another one they did a good, I mean, it was like, here's everything. It's hard to watch, but yeah, it was a good one. And the same with uh, Six Feet Under. Yeah. Here's it. This is it. This is how it ends for all of them. Literally how it ends. Yeah. Which is pretty good. I think I liked that show a lot. Six Feet Under? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of meandered, but it was good. Yeah. Did you remember that The Leftovers was also an HBO show? Yeah, that's right. I would like another season of that. Can we just get a season of all the one extra season of all the ones we liked? Yeah, just one let's, season. Let's maybe go back in, like the guy who did Carnival, and write one more season for all of the shows that we liked. Did you know that they are making... You must have known this. A prequel for Game of Thrones? I did. I did know that. I wonder what that's going to be like. (laughs) You're not hopeful. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not very hopeful. Who's writing it? I don't know. It's not George R. R. Martin, because it would come out in 10 years or never. After he's dead. Yeah. It's going to be someone else, and it's going to be based off of his... Because he must have penciled out all the history of Westeros. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's in the books, really. Yeah. And I think he may have wrote, written some prequels as well. One show that comes back to mind is uh, Oz. Did you ever see Oz? I never watched Oz. Oz is borderline porno. It was so many naked naked men in that in that show. Uh, I think that's why I never watched it. <laughs> You're like too too gross. Too well, gross not, those naked not, men. Not gross so much as like prison plus prison rape plus. Yeah. There's lots of things that I'm not super comfortable with is way more gross rapey than uh game of thrones yeah that's that's not super entertaining for me it was also very violent but uh some of the people like jk simmons Mm -hmm. got his real start there and he played a gross character he played like a neo-nazi gang member Mm -hmm. leader inside there and he was a super shithead also, that guy from, uh, I want to think of him as Law and Order Man. Uh, oh, Christopher Chris- Maloney? Christopher Maloney played a serial killer in that. Oh, that reminds me. Veep was Veep is also a HBO S- show. Christopher Maloney or serial killers reminded you <laughs> Chris, of Veep? Chris Maloney. <laughs> serial killers and Chris Do you remember Maloney. him as the trainer? <sighs> was he her trainer? Uh-huh. And then they were sleeping together? Uh-huh. Yeah, I do remember I remember that turn. He's very funny. Viva was so good when it was good, but sometimes it just wasn't wasn't up to par. When uh, Inucci left, 
That yeah. That pretty much was it. Yeah. Uh, did I pronounce that name right? Anuji. I'm not sure. Amando Anuji. You should check out everything from him if you haven't. Not you. You, the listener. You, dear listener. Dear listener. The other person I remember being prominent in that Oz show was the guy who went on to be uh, the insurance ad man. The, like, not farmers, because that was J.K. Simmons, but the other one. Oh, you mean the guy from 30 Rock? Yeah, the guy the guy from 30 Rock. <laughs> What's that dude's name? I don't know. Mayhem. Mayhem. <laughs> I forgot about his turn as uh, hey, Liz's, dummy. Yeah, Liz's boyfriend. The guy who had the beeper warehouse and with the hay dummy. His character's name was Dennis Duffy. Dennis Duffy, right. And the actor's real name is Dean Winters. He was like, uh, he was another scumbag in Oz to start. It's very odd to see these people make these turns. They're acting. They're, that's what I have to keep reminding myself. Guess what, Randall? It's make-believe. Oh, <laughs> uh, they're all acting. That's why. I want to shoot back real quick. I think I found that the HBO kid is still alive. Oh, you found him? Yeah, I think so. His ethnicity is Caucasian. Sounds pretty Italian to me. Uh, religious views are listed as Christian. He does have. Are you looking a at Facebook? Record. No, no. I just looked up some website that creepily tracks people. But it looks like he's still still kicking. He would be, according to this, he would be fifty eight years old now. Yeah, that's the appropriate age yeah. for someone who was then a kid. Born in nineteen sixty eight, that would make him a real kid. A real HBO kid, like 18 years old. Yeah, he was probably old. like 17 years old. Wow. I hope so. I hope this is the guy. What an enterprising young man. I hope he's making some other electronics. I hope he kept with the electronics thing after. I just hope for it. <laughs> so we talked about HBO movies or shows. How about movies? You asked me this earlier. What HBO movie do I remember? I'm going to ask it back at you. What movie do you remember on HBO? I told you it was After Hours. No, what HBO movie do you remember? Oh, I see, I, no. Don't remember any uh-uh. originals? I ne- since we never had HBO until I was well into adulthood, I don't really remember any HBO originals. How about you? Yeah, I remember uh, this movie called The Sword of Gideon, which is sort of a weird movie for a, a kid to remember. I looked it up. It came out in 86. Is that like sword and sorcery or biblical? No, uh, neither of those things. Okay. It's a, a show about the revenge of the Israeli secret service after the Munich bombing. Whoa. Yeah. So, uh, I looked, I looked it up after the fact it starred Stephen Bauer mm-hmm. and, um, who's the other guy? Michael York. Oh, I loved him. Yeah. Michael York. And it, the whole movie is about spies murdering terrorists. Like that's the whole thing. H- how old were you when you were to this movie? 12. Huh? It really, <laughs> I don't know what this is, but it's a, a, it was a very good movie. I remember the story being very uh, interesting. It was good because it wasn't just a straight, it wasn't like Taken or one of these movies where very clearly the protagonist is going to murder the bad guy. The whole movie, the guy was like, I don't want to be doing this anymore. I want to, I want to leave the Secret Service or the Mossad in this case. A conflicted anti-hero. Yeah. That's that's the thing that I re- I remember very clearly. He didn't want to be part of it, and he kept being forced to do it. And they kept finding people and more and more further away from the event, so that there was even more of a disconnect. Like the terrorists had gone on to actual lives 
Mm -hmm. maybe they were children or whatever when they were involved in it. Did you say this was an HBO production? It was, yeah. Interesting. I've never heard of it. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, maybe we can go back and watch it. Uh, It probably won't hold up. (laughs) Probably not, but, you know. (laughs) Do you know the movie Munich? Yes. So it's basically the same. I see. Same plot. Yeah. I did look up more about HBO Pictures, because I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, HBO made a lot of interesting original films. I have no concept of that. Tell me, tell me about some. So let let me just start by, I found this article in the New York Times from the 80s. It's actually an article from June of 1983. uh, And the headline is Cable Catalyst, Jane Decknatel, the in-house movie maker at HBO. And they're talking about that HBO has decided to become a movie studio. And that she's got she's getting nonstop calls because she's got a huge budget to make films, and her budget for 1984 was 85 million dollars to spend on movies, and it was supposed to be like she was supposed to make 24 films or bankroll 24 films in 1984, and then she says within the next four or five years we'll be doing 50 movies a year. Uh, I look back, and <laughs> HBO did not ever do that. They only did, I think, at most, like, 12, 10 to 12 a year, maybe once a month. And they made more TV shows. The budget, I think, went from HBO Films to HBO Original Productions of TV shows, which makes sense, right? I think they always they have had more success in their TV shows. I don't know if they did back then, but they definitely pioneered yeah. the cable television or, yeah, literal episodic television on cable. Yeah. Reminds me of, you know, all this modern discussion of Netflix and their billions and billions of dollars spending on content. It's, it seems almost quaint that they had uh, $85 million oh, yeah. and it was, it was going to be 50 movies a year. <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, I did look up what their first productions were. Mm-hmm. They uh, produced a movie. That starred uh, Jimmy Stewart and Betty Davis was actually their first collaboration. What year was this? Uh, It was in 1983. Okay. The movie was titled Right of Way, and it was about an elder couple (laughs) planning to commit suicide. Whoa. Uh, Let me play you a clip of it real quick. Okay. We've lived together, and now we're going to die together. What do you mean? What are you saying? Your father is saying we're going to kill ourselves. He wanted you to know. (laughs) This is very funny, Daddy. I'm sure this was your idea. You still think you can get me to move back down here, don't you? Rhoda, we don't want you to move back down here. That's the last thing we want. (laughs) So that's it. So basically they... The wife has terminal a terminal illness, and uh, they've made a suicide pact. So is this like a drama tragedy? Uh, from what I read about it, it was a comedy, tra- like dramatic comedy. Whoa. They, they treat that serious, but they are supposed to be funny. Like they're supposed to be giving the daughter a hard time and trying to get her ready to be without them. That sounds really awkward. Yeah. Also, they supposedly torture the neighbors throughout the movie. Anyway, that was the first movie they made. That's an interesting choice. <laughs> yeah. That was the first movie they made, but it wasn't the first movie they aired. They made another movie that same year, and they decided it was stronger. And that movie was called The Terry Fox Story, which was a, a biographical film about a Canadian runner 
who had cancer and lost a leg and then ran after he lost the leg to raise money for cancer. Who was picking these projects? I don't know. Hold on, let me play you this clip from um, that movie. So what's bothering you? Can I look out a window without having a problem? Oh, cheeky now. I know when you're brooding. This is so ridiculous, racing Doug up and down that bloody mountain. Where's it going to get me? Put rockets in my wheelchair and shoot for the bloody sun? <laughs> so that guy. That the, looked terrible. Act, that was the movie they decided this is the first movie. We're oh, gonna yeah. This TV. is our commercial success. <laughs> that dude that the star of that movie was uh, not an actor. It looks like they cast him because he was a one legged runner. He legit had one leg and could run in the scenes where they needed a one-legged runner to run. That's something to be said for representation that yeah. isn't really true these days. I think, uh, yeah, these days you would get a real actor with a green sock and you would <laughs> green sock and you would key out their leg. But in that case, they had no way to do it, so they had to find a guy. He no, he went on to nothing else. That was the only role he ever. Had. <laughs> Those are some really interesting content choices. Yeah. I mean, I know we're all much more knowledgeable and jaded and cynical. About sophisticated. Sophisticated. That's a good word for it. Yeah. But even so, those those seem like some really odd, especially in the sort of Coke-fueled 70s and 80s. Both these movies look very milk toast. Yeah. Like, uh, at the time, they didn't really, it didn't seem like they were differentiating, differentiating themselves as being... A special thing. It was like, this is a movie that should be on regular TV. Yeah, it's like the ABC movie of the week or whatever. Yeah. It's not special enough. No. No. They should have realized it. The uh, other thing about that last movie I didn't mention was it starred, also has uh, stars Robert Duvall, but uh, they neglected to put him in the movie until like the last third of the movie it was like they maybe they got him it seems like they got him after the fact and wrote some scenes in and threw him in there trying to punch it up i did find a review of that that first movie and it was like it certainly stars james stewart and (laughs) betty davis (laughs) (laughs) certainly stars in them Hmm. yeah anything else you want to go over hbo should we wrap it up in conclusion yeah so what, what's your take on HBO's broadcast of the uh, Thrill in Manila? Let's not forget that this started out because of this. Well, I was three years old at the time. Yes. I don't remember it. Nope. I don't like boxing. The end. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I do want to note is that HBO didn't just do that boxing match. They also did other pay-per-views or mm-hmm. other, uh, not, they didn't call them pay-per-views. I don't know if that name came in until later. Live events. Yeah. They did other live events. Did you look at any of the other live events they did at the start of their, start of their run? Uh, I saw some other pay-per-view stuff, but I don't know if it was directly HBO related or not. Mm. Oh, I, I have some that were HBO related. Oh yeah. Tell me but about them. My favorite of all of them. Their first television special was the Pennsylvania Polka Festival, which I have the intro for. <laughs> Do you want to hear that? How about how about you play us out with that? All right, that could, maybe we'll end with that one. They also did like uh, hockey games, and they did a Worldwide Wrestling Federation show, which 
is the federation that eventually became the WWF to the WWE modern times. Oh. Yeah. I didn't realize there was a pre-organization. There is. That was the one that was owned by Vincent McMahon Sr. I see. Right. Worldwide Wrestling Federation. They branched out from NWA. That was headlined by George the Animal Steel versus Pedro Morales. Do you know who George the Animal Steel is? I don't know either of those. George the Animal Steel uh, was in my time was an older dude who was covered in hair bald dude with hair all right his tongue was green and he would like rip a animal stuffed animal apart in the ring like he was crazy crazy like he was kind of uh, off the rocker he was one of those off the rocker archetypes of wrestlers you know what i mean what what year was this uh this was in 1973 right at the start how did you find the Wrestling Classic? How did that come up? Uh, you it, were talking about the Wrestling Classic it, earlier. That was the first WWE pay-per-view event. Not WrestleMania? No. No? Well, WrestleMania maybe was close-circuited to bars like we Probably, were talking about. Probably, yeah. And the Wrestling Classic was something you could buy at home? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, in, in the timeline, it's WrestleMania 1. The Wrestling Classic, where they gave away, gave away a Rolls Royce. <laughs> <laughs> we watched it, and it's not good. Not a very well-produced show. There were lots of scenes where people will just straight up backward to the camera. And then it goes from there to WrestleMania 2, and then the more modern progression, I guess. Let's talk about wrestling for the next 20 minutes. I think that's probably a good ending spot. Do you think so? Uh, yeah, I would love to hear some polka. Let's play Let's play it out with the uh, intro, 1973's Pennsylvania Polka Festival on HBO. And thank you very much for listening. The Home Box Office is presenting the Pennsylvania Polka Festival in cooperation with Service Electric Company for the next three hours. Follow us on social media at HBWC Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or email us at happybirthdaywhocares at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. 